You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. was using Joshua's failure to set up this victory. God does that in our lives. He uses your failures to set up victory. He uses the failure. God works all things together for good. For those that love him and are the called according to his purpose, God uses even your failures in your life. Because our great failures, the great failures of our life, guess what? The great failures that we have are the foundation on which the victories are built. How do you treat those who you know to have sin in their life? Pastor Dave reminds you today that Jesus showed love and grace to all. He didn't base his kindness off of one's sin. You too are called to be kind to sinners. Set an example for them and lend them a helping hand when you can. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 8 as he continues his message, Press Onward. Pretty important stuff for the Lord to have to repeat it, for the Lord to have to say it a couple times because He knows how thick I am. I need to hear it several times before it sinks in. This is important stuff. He says, Hey, there's a way that seems pretty right to you, but the way is death. The Lord's way is the way we want. We want to go the Lord's way, and that's what He's trying to tell Joshua. It's so important. Joshua didn't follow the Lord the first time, He didn't seek the Lord's counsel, and He went on His way. The result wasn't pretty. The result was not pretty. We are all to do what the God has commanded us. We are to listen to his voice. We are to read his word because his plan is specific to each one of us. And he says, go. Even Jesus, go. Go and make disciples. It's interesting that he didn't say, go and have people saved and put them on your belt as a notch and say, look, these many people are led to the Lord. No, he said, go and make disciples. And I think that's where we mess up. I think that's where we really mess up. Everybody wants to see people saved, and don't get me wrong, I think people saved is an important thing here. But Jesus declared, go and make disciples. That's more than being saved. We're to do what God told us to do. The Lord knew that AI was now self-confident. The Lord knew that because this little sham that, that Joshua pulled, that AI now was full of themselves. Yeah, we took care of those Israelites. Yeah, we heard about what that God did. Yeah, we're not afraid. I ain't scared. We're not afraid of them. We heard about that. So he knew that they're self-confident. So he devises his plan. Let's look at verses 3 to 8. So Joshua arose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. And he commanded them, saying, Behold, you shall lie in an ambush against the city, behind the city. Do not go very far from the city, but all of you be ready. And then I and all the people who are with me will approach the city, and it will come about when they come out against us as at first, that we shall flee before them. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, they are fleeing before us as at first, therefore we will flee before them. Then you shall rise from the ambush and seize the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. 
And it will be when you have taken the city that you shall set the city on fire according to the commandment of the Lord you shall do. See, I have commanded you. Instead of 3,000 men, Joshua now takes 30,000 men. He will send them for the ambush. But instead of just a handful, he's going to use all the people. He wants all the people involved. All the people. It's a great way for them to recover from the sin. They're all now involved in ministry, and they're going to recover from their sin. They're going to recover from that. The battle indeed belongs to the Lord, but we're all in the battle together. And we all need each other in this battle. And no one of us is any more important than the other in this battle. We all need each other. We need to link arms, and when we pray, pray that the Lord would succeed in his battle. It's a great battle raging in here. And Sometimes Frank and I discuss things and we say, you know what? I really don't want to know what's happening in the spiritual realm because it would scare me to death. It would frighten me so much if I actually saw what was happening in the spiritual realm around me. God has chosen to keep that from me. He lets me know through his word that, hey, it's happening. There's a spiritual battle. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So there's a spiritual battle going on. Use all that you have been given to defeat the enemy. Use all that you have been given to defeat the enemy, the power of the word of God. God was using Joshua's failure to set up this victory. God does that in our lives. He uses your failures to set up victory. He uses the failure. God works all things together for good. For those that love him and are the called according to his purpose, God uses even your failures in your life. Because our great failures, the great failures of our life, guess what? The great failures that we have are the foundation on which the victories are built. Let's look at 9 and 10. Joshua therefore sent them out, and they went to lie in ambush and stayed between Bethel and Ai, and on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning and mustered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel, before the people of Ai. Joshua stays near to the people to comfort them. It's a crucial time. The people are afraid. They're discouraged. They're weary. They need their leader to be with them. Joshua doesn't go out to war just yet. He's there with the people to comfort them and to tell them, hey, it's okay. God's with us. He's not mad at us anymore. He loves us. He wants to lead us into victory. He's given us his hand. And that's what a good leader does. A good leader encourages his people. A good leader encourages his people, especially after a fall. We're to encourage one another after a fall. So many times, somebody falls and we go, ooh, you fell. As if we're something special. As if we're something special. We look at, oh, you fell. And then I hear some people say, I would never do that. Don't do that. Don't say those kind of words. We cannot ignore those who are returning from a sin. Praise God they've returned. Praise God they've come back, but we must... Welcome them. Welcome them back and guide them into the victory of Christ. We must lead them into the arms of Christ. I'll tell you a story. I think I've told it here before. Some of you may have heard it before. Two Calvary Chapel pastors who were with Chuck Smith from the beginning, Greg Laurie and Mike McIntosh, were called one day by Ruth Graham. And Ruth Graham said, we want you to come to dinner. Billy and I want you for dinner. So they got everything together, and they flew from California to North Carolina, where they lived, where the Grahams lived, and they were there that evening for dinner. And when they walked in for dinner, 
Billy said, we have a special guest with us, someone you know, and I brought you here to fellowship with him as we welcome him back. It was Jim Baker's first day out of prison. We have to welcome those that have repented and those that have fallen back into our fellowship. If the repentant is true, and God knows that, we need to welcome them back because the Lord welcomes them back if they've truly repented, if they truly are sorry, and only the Lord knows that. Time will tell. Time will tell. But that's what Joshua's doing. Joshua said, okay, guys, come on. We, I'm not going to ignore you. We, we can do this. In verses 11 through 13, Israel does exactly what the Lord lays out for plan, step by step. And all the people of war who were with him went up and drew near. And they came before the city and camped on the north side of Ai. Now the valley lay between them and Ai. So he took about 5,000 men and set them in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, all the army that was on the north side of the city and his rear guard of the west side of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. When you're coming out of sin, you don't want to battle in the negative. You don't want to worry about the don't do this and don't do that. You want to go on the offensive. You want to go on the offensive against the powers of darkness, against the temptation. Because when you're coming out of that sin, you're at a very, very dangerous time. Because Satan's trying to pull you back in. First of all, he's trying to condemn you because of the sin. He's trying to tell you that you call yourself a Christian. We need to look at the cross of Christ and remember what happened there. We need to remember that our salvation was secured at that point. We need to follow the Lord and take offensive. Do all the Lord has called you to do by faith, believing in Him. Everything we have, we have by faith. And everything we do, we do by faith in Christ. Knowing that Christ has gone before us and set these things up. And this is what's happening here. This was a new beginning for Israel. Joshua, being a good general, stayed behind with his people to encourage them and get them moving. Moving, 14 through 17. Now it happened when the king of Ai saw it, and the men of the city hurried and rose early and went out against Israel to battle. He and all his people, in an appointed place before the plain. But he did not know that they were as an ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. So all the people who were in Ai were called together to pursue them. And they pursued Joshua and were all drawn away from the city. There well, there's not one man left in Ai or Bethel who do not go out after Israel. So they left the city open and pursued Israel. Here you see God delivering now Ai and Israel into their hands. 18 through 20. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in your hand towards Ai, for I will give it to your, into your hand. And Joshua stretched out the spear that was in the hand towards the city. So those in ambush arose quickly out of their place, and they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand, and they entered the city and took it, and hurried to set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw, and behold, the smoke of the city ascended to heaven. So they had no power to flee this way or that way, and the people who had fled into the wilderness turned back to the pursuers. What a great patience Joshua had. Joshua waited as he told he was supposed to do. And then he stretches out his spear. He stretches out his spear. Too many of us, like I said, get impatient and we don't wait for the Lord's perfect timing. I mean, you're all great prayer warriors. 
We are all wonderful prayer warriors, and I hear your marvelous prayers from time to time, and I'm so excited that you're praying like that. But how many of us, after we pray, get impatient for what we pray for? You know, I do. (laughs) I do. We get impatient for what we pray for. And we expect that it's going to happen instantaneously. You know what? Sometimes it does. Praise God. Sometimes it does, especially in healing. Sometimes those things happen immediately. Praise God. But other things seem to take a little time. Other things seem to take a little longer than we anticipate. But we're to keep praying. We're to keep praying. Pray without ceasing. Joshua holds up a spear. Holds up a spear the entire time they're fighting. Remind you of anybody? Yeah. Moses, when they were fighting the Amalekites, remember? As long as Moses has his rod up, the Israelites were victorious. But as soon as he got tired and the rod stayed down, the Amalekites would get the better hand. So Aaron and I think it was her came alongside him and held up his hands. They held up Moses' hand and Israel was victorious. Joshua holds those arrow up. His arrow became a point of faith. His arrow became a point of faith. The Lord was going to win the battle. The Lord had given the, the, the land and the city to the guys. As we read on and we look through beginning from verse 21, Now when Joshua and all of Israel knew that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned back and struck down the men of Ai. Then the others came out, the city against them, and so they were caught up in the midst of Israel, some on this side, some on that side, and they struck them down, so that they did let they let none of them remain and escape. But the king of Ai they took alive, and they brought him to Joshua. And it came to pass that when Israel had made the end of the slaying all the inhabitants of Ai in the field, in the wilderness where they pursued them, and when they had fallen by the edge of the sword until they were consumed, that all the Israelites returned to Ai and struck it with the edge of the sword. And so it was, all who fell that day, both men and women, were 12,000, all the people of Ai. For Joshua did not draw back his hand, with which he had stretched out with his spear, until he had utterly destroyed all the inhabitants of Ai, only the livestock and the spoil that the city took as booty for themselves, according to the word of the Lord, which he commanded Joshua. So Joshua burned Ai and made it a heap forever, a desolation to this day. And the king of Ai, he hanged on a tree until evening. And as soon as the sun was down, Joshua commanded that he should take his corpse down from the tree, cast it at the entrance of the gate of the city, and raise over it a heap of stones that remains to this day. Some of you are probably saying, again, this is a slaughter of innocent people. Be careful with that. This was God's judgment, and this was God's wrath. These people had time to repent and come to God. They all had time and repent to come to God, but they were an evil people, and they had resisted God for many, many years, and this was God's wrath. If we get worried about them, are you too going to be worried about those that were going to be left behind as we study in the book of Revelation when God's true wrath falls upon the earth? Well, if you are, then let's get out there and beat the bushes with the gospel message so some can come and so we can save some. Show no mercy. Blot it completely out. We don't want to mess with them. They don't want to mess with us. It's the world system. God is blotting out the world system. God wants Israel to be a theocracy governed by God. A theocracy. I will be your God and you will be my people. Be encouraged, he said. The Lord is with you. And we look at this, it says, follow the God's plans. Follow the Lord's plans. Beautiful scripture that many of you know by heart in the book of Proverbs. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Follow the Lord's plan. Use all your resources that you have. Live with and look to Jesus. Why? Because in Hebrews tells He's the author and finisher of our faith. Look to Christ. And you know the words there that they're saying. It says, lay aside the weight. And most people believe it's the weight of the world. And the sin that so easily ensnares us. And the word, fix your eyes. It means to steadfastly gaze upon Christ. Steadfastly look at Him. And follow after Him. And that's what we're to do. We're to follow Jesus. We're to go on the offensive. And we're to show no mercy towards sin. No mercy towards sin in our life. Get rid of it. Blot it out. No mercy for the world system. So what's the spiritual application if we live the Christian life? Look at this. I got this from somebody. This is not my own. I got this. But this is pretty cool. Obedience was followed by victory. Victory was followed by blessing. Blessing was followed by pride and disobedience. Disobedience was followed by defeat. Defeat was followed by judgment. Judgment was followed by repentance. Repentance was followed by obedience. And obedience, once again, was followed by victory. That's what we see here. That's what's going on here. That's what we're looking at here. We can't allow to sit around and mope over the sin that so easily ensnares us, the sin that so easily trips us up. We confess it, and we move on. As we finish the chapter, let's read 30 to 35. Now Joshua built an altar to the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the children of Israel. And as it was written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whose stones over which no man has yielded an iron tool, and they offered it on burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there, in the presence of the children of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Then all of Israel and their elders and officers and judges stood on either side of the ark before the priest, the Levites, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord, the stranger as well as he who has borne among them. Half of them were in front of Mount Gerzim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded before, that they should bless the people of Israel. And afterward he read all the words of the law, and the blessings and the cursings, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There is not a word of all that Moses had commanded, which Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, with the women, the little ones, the strangers who were living among them. They go to these two mountains. One's a mountain of blessing, one's a mountain of cursing. You can look at that in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, where Moses tells them, when you get there, you're going to make this altar. They obeyed this speech. Joshua now wants Israel to make a new commitment to God. He wants them to make a new commitment to God. And he gives them the authority that's written in the law. Joshua had written it down. Giving all glory to God for the victory. Notice that nothing on the altar would draw men's eyes to the altar. Everything about the altar led one to look to God. This is truly a man of God giving glory to God. Taking nothing for himself, nothing for the nation, but giving glory and honor to God who gave them the victory and who was victorious. When we come out of sin, that's where all the glory and honor needs to be. We can't come out of sin and says, I defeated that addiction. Excuse me? The Lord defeated the addiction in me. The Lord was victorious in me. We can't take credit, as so many of us always do. We take credit for what the Lord has done. Joshua, in verses 32 and 35, 
puts the importance on the word of God. Israel was a people of God's word. They were a people of God's laws and God's rules. There were things that they must do. And so too is the victorious Christian. We are people of God's word. If you are a people of God's word, to be victorious, you must know God's word and follow after God's word hard. The lost ground was recovered through God's word, through reading it, and meditating on it, and knowing it. Remember in the first chapter of Joshua, what the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1, 8? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, and you may observe to do according all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God puts a qualifier on his success and on his prosperity, knowing and following God's word. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. As we receive God's word, that's my job. My job is to pump God's word into you. My job is to feed you God's word and let you feast on it and give you an appetite for it so that you would read it. And then as you read it, the Lord's going to spur in you something and you're going to want to do something. You're going to get involved. You're going to minister to somebody or witness to somebody or visit somebody in the hospital or, or whatever, or pray for somebody. The Lord's going to have you do things. That's Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. He's given gifts to some, pastors, evangelists, prophets, etc. Why? For the building up of the body, for the work of the ministry. And that's what we do by giving the Word of God, by knowing the Word of God. And the Word of God, that's why we go through line by line, verse upon verse. The Lord told them the conditions by which they would be blessed of God and the conditions which would bring a curse to them, he said. When we look at the Word of God, you know, it's all about do's and don'ts. And so many people, well, there are no do's and don'ts in the Christian life, excuse me. I'm sorry, but you don't know the Word of God very well. The conditions that they would establish in the land, the conditions that they, if they didn't follow, they would be driven from the land, the blessing and the cursings. See, AI is this beautiful picture for us of the inward problems that arise from our own lust when we say that God cannot and must have not. When we say, God, I want, God, I need, we lust after it in our own hearts. And this is what happened. They happened at AI. We play the hypocrite, and then we discover that we fall prey to the evil forces that come our way. We have no power to stand except in the Lord. And we all experience failure. We all experience defeat at one time or the other, just like Israel did. But the minute the sin was confessed, they went up to Ai, and it was no longer a problem. Because in the battle, they won. To be a victorious Christian, you have to know, number one, is that on the cross, it was finished. It was completed. It was done. Our faith was established. The enemy was defeated. Our sin was cast in the depths of the sea, past and present. And what will be? Done. That's what the victorious Christian knows. And he reads the God, book of Word of God, and it is instilled in his life, and it becomes his life. Because this is life-giving. It's life-sustaining, the Word of God. This is the manna that has fallen from heaven, Jesus Christ. This is it. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of Assure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Joshua when you join us next time. But for now, 
You can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd also encourage you to download these messages so they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope. Assure Hope.